The reading this morning is from John chapter 9, um, and you'll find it in your, uh, in your bulletin. As Jesus passed by, he saw a man blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some said, It is he. Others said, No, but it looks like him. He kept saying, I am the man. So they said to him, Then how were your eyes opened? He answered, The man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, Go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, Where is he? He said, I don't know. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Now it was the Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. So the Pharisees again asked how he had received his sight. And he said to them, He put mud on my eyes, and I washed, and I see. Some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. Others said, How can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was a division among them. So they said again to the blind man, What do you say about him, since he opened your eyes? He said, He is a prophet. The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and received his sight until they called his parents of the man and of the man who had received his sight and asked them, Is this your son, who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered, We know that this is our son, and we know that he was born blind. But how he now sees, we don't know. Nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him. He's of age. He'll speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be the Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, He is of age. Ask him. So for the second time, they called the man who had been blind and said to him, Give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered, Whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. They said to him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I've told you already, and you wouldn't listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? And they reviled him, saying, You are his disciple, but we are a disciple of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we don't know where he comes from. The man answered, Why, this is an amazing thing. You don't know where he comes you don't know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone that anyone opened his eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, You were born in utter sin, and would you teach us? And they cast him out. Jesus heard they cast him out, and having found him, he said, 
Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, And who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. Jesus said, For judgment I came into this world, that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, Are we also blind? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now you say, We see, your guilt remains. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, Howard Brown, the pastor here at Christ Central Church. And so this week in our John series, Jesus continues to be... Wait, I need to stop right there for a minute. Because um, I, I believe in a regulative principle, and I believe we need to do worship right and well, and things need to be in order. But um, for you, you, those of you who don't know, I'm, um, I'm, I'm married to and sleeping with the executive director for the Nota School of Arts. And I was real, you know, against announcing their Man of Bronze presentation today at 1 o'clock at the Levine. But I'm going to go ahead and tell you that they are a ministry that we support here at Christ Central. And so if you have an opportunity at 1 o'clock to go out to the Levine to see the Men of Bronze film and be part of their friend raiser, I recommend um, that you do that today. Not a commandment, but a recommendation. One for the team. Yes. (laughs) Point for me. Okay. No, um, seriously, um, that is a ministry we support. I urge that you go out and check out what the Nota School of Arts is doing and uh, be a part of that. Now, back to the scripture, back to the regulative principle, like a good Presbyterian. So this week in our John series, Jesus, again, continues to be, how did I describe it, hard-headed against the Pharisees and heals another person on the Sabbath. This time, a, a blind man who was blind since birth. And this story fits right into John's reoccurring themes of Jesus versus the religious leaders and the Jews. But also, and most most pointedly, Jesus as the light in our dark world. That we only know, experience, and see truth in the brilliance of his person, which is inseparable from his message and ministry of salvation. Simply put, human beings like you and me are born in darkness with moral and spiritual blindness. And we fake ourselves in our relationships, lives, and work like a bunch of blind men and women crashing into each other and just figuring it out, guessing what we see and guessing who and why we are and even who God is. What we learn from this passage is we must have Jesus give us sight. Because first of all, you and I are blind to the purposes and plans of God without Christ. And secondly, Christ wants the works of God to be seen and shown in our lives. One word among many that stands out in in my mind in this passage is conjecture and an educated guess based on what you can gather, based on what you can see and not see. And there is lots of conjecture about this man and his condition. 
Look with me at verse 1 through 3 once again. And he passed by. As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. And then down at verse 8. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some said, It is he. Others said, No, but he is like him. He kept saying, I am the man. So they said to him, Then how were your eyes opened? Then if we jump down to verse 18, The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight. Until they called the parents of the man who had received the sight and asked them, Is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? Then one more in verse 34, it says this. They answered him, You were born in utter sin, and would you teach us? And they cast him out. What is clear from these scriptures is that we human beings, along with these religious folks, we religious folks sometimes don't see things too clearly on our own. We can't see and know ourselves. Jesus' disciples joined the Jews in believing that this man was blind since birth and a beggar to show God's judgment for some sin he would or did commit it or his parents committed. I mean, they were so convinced by their view and assessment of this man that when he is walking around with open eyes, they debate on whether it is really him. They judge from what they could see that this man was born to be condemned by God and was therefore outside of God's plan and purpose of grace and power to heal him. And on the flip side, because they were religious and and weren't as maligned with issues and poverty and beggarly like this blind man, that they were obviously within or at least within the reach of God's grace. It is safe to say then that they did, not know, they did not recognize this man with open eyes because they literally couldn't accept that God would do this like this for such a sinner, for that type of person who shouldn't be blessed, who was apparently outside of God's grace and mercy and solid, solidly in God's loser, condemned, and forgotten group. Jesus says it here in verse 3 once again. It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. Against all that the Pharisees and even his disciples could or couldn't see, only Jesus knew and saw what God had purposed and planned in advance for this man and people like him to extend grace and mercy to the outcasts and forgotten and even hopeless to us of this world. When we judge, often we look for reasons for and evidence of God's favor and signs of of God's gracious plans and purposes for people and even in ourselves, and we can be so wrong and blind to what God really is doing. 
When we lean to, to, to our own sight and, and foresight at the symptoms and, and conditions of our lives and others and, and how we should then judge and handle or, or think about them and ourselves, we can easily make what Jesus came to give as good news, bad news. We, we make and treat people and ourselves as, as unsavable or, or too far gone and, and a certain sin to be healed or simply cursed or possibly hated by God. And I must do an aside here, because look with me at verse 39. The the Pharisees are concerned about what this man is doing and worshiping Jesus. Jesus said, for judgment I came into this world, that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, are we also blind? Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say we see, your guilt remains. Let me explain again. This this is an aside. If God has chosen to remain rejected by someone, or, or like Jesus does the Pharisees, let them stay in darkness. That is his purpose and plan. And even in those situations, we can't take his being God away from him. Because there will be people who will not be saved and, and not repent and walk away from the faith and live in darkness, even those who started with the faith. But let the gospel an offer of reconciliation, and like this blind man does the Pharisees, offer of discipline be rejected and spell out their destiny and their response to him and not your blind prejudgment of what God may or may not be doing. But here is the good news. In Corinthians it says, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, And what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. And Jeremiah says this to his people and to those who would be his people. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. So what does that mean? We let Jesus be who he is. We let Jesus lead by, by leading with him and his possibilities in the lives of people and even our own. We believe that he is able, according to what he's revealed about himself and us in the Bible. And when we do, and if we do, we quickly recognize that no one knows what God can make possible and nothing and no one is impossible for God. Which means this, you and they, Those who who are and would be God's people, regardless of who they were or are, are not done. We are not stuck bearing the results and judgments of being born in sin. Stop lying to yourself and, and lying to others and have others guess and conject about you. The worst of sinners, the worst of situations could be unseen blessings of God for his purposes and plans for his people and for his glory. When I say glory, I am talking about God's desire, ability, and right to be God, to shine and act out in this world with with his holy character and purposes. 
a glory in God that is impossible for us to see and accept without Jesus. Look with me at verses 4 through 12. Jesus says, we must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spat on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing the neighbors and those who had seen him before as a, as a beggar saying, is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some said it is he, others said no, but, but he is like him. He kept saying, I am the man. So they asked him, then how were your eyes open? He answered, the man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to Siloam and wash. Then in verse 17, so they said again to the blind man, what do you say about him since he has opened your eyes? He said he is a prophet. And then in verse 25, it says this. He answered, whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. This passage is not about a man getting his sight. This passage is not about how long he suffered or to celebrate his blessing from God and then put out a book on how he got healed and how you can get God's prosperity plan for you or where he washed his hands and what kind of mud Jesus used so you can use it too. Jesus did not heal the man to bring attention to the man's sight but so that the man's sight would bring attention to Jesus and in turn give glory to God. The inquisition of the Pharisees and the Jews are all, if you look carefully, are all less about the man and his miracle or his ailment and more about who healed him. This man was given sight so Jesus could be seen as a center of attention in doing so that God would get glory and weigh in and lean into their minds to even be a big, heavy, or ugly on their hearts of those who would not believe. Trust me, I know. I've always been an attention getter, the clown in the class. I don't know how many times I'm on my behavior report, talking and clowning. It's funny is when you want attention, you'll even take negative attention to get attention. Howard Brown, what are you doing? Something wrong? But now that she called me out, I'm pretty good. I mean, think about it. Jesus tells his disciples, get this now, that this man was born blind. So that at this moment, hear this, after suffering all those years, God would finally get his glory out of that. Jesus will even use then, get this, negative events or history or sufferings or negative received or perceived events in the life of this world and the happenings of his people to draw attention to himself. 
for people to see how he gets praise and honor from his people, though they struggle, struggle or he thank you when things go well. But either way, to make noise from those of us who are blind to, to hear and look towards or, or, or look forward and consider him. You know the worst thing in zombie movies or shows like Walking Dead? The worst thing you can do is make a noise. Zombies don't see that well. I consider myself somewhat of a zombieologist. All the zombie movies I've seen, they don't see. But they can smell and hear real well. And so the worst thing can happen is somebody's kind of walking past a zombie and they hit something or knock something or shoot a gun or something like that, then all the zombies come and run, right? What's this got to do with the gospel? A lot. Those blind to the glory of God all around them can smell a stink or a sweet smell and hear glorious things and terrible noises to their ears, and Jesus will cause our lives and our world to shake and rattle and roll and hum and to stink and to perfume as he touches it to bring attention and glory to God. And the hard part is we are often blind to why and what is going on when things happen around us and in our world, but Jesus sees an opportunity to make a scene. He will allow us to be afflicted and bruised and limp in our health and finances and history and marriages and besetting sins and addictions. And even at times, let us be healed and freed from besetting issues, sometimes after years of struggle to somehow out of it. Out of the beautiful and broken and healed and the unhealed parts of our lives and worlds, get and give glory to God. And I know it's hard for some of you and me too who are going through something right now. And for you to hear the pastor say, God's getting glory out your life. And it's because we're blind to it. We can't see it. We can't look ahead and be sure of what the Lord is doing. But one thing the scripture promises, God is going to get glory out of the lives of his people and out of this world. Some of us are struggling to make sense of why and what is going on in this world and in our lives. And in the dark alone, we will inevitably come to self-condemning stories while wrongly judging God and his motives. All of the ups and downs and good and bad of our lives like this blind man only will only make sense if Jesus, the only one who can get glory out of the mess, mayhem, and mix of our lives and world is at the center of our story and the light in our darkness. So bring the light into each other's lives. While things are hard, while there is darkness, Jesus says, encourage one another, not with conjecture, not with educated guess, not with promises that you're not sure, or timetables you're not sure they or God's going to keep, but with the knowledge that in Christ, God is. Gets glory. But not only does Jesus give spiritual sight because we are blind to the plan and purpose of God for us, 
but he gives spiritual sight because he wants the works of God to be seen in us. The Bible says this in verse 3 once again. I'm going to wear that verse out. Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can walk. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, hear this, he spat on the ground and made mud with saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. Then in verse 11, he says this, he he answered, the, the man called Jesus made mud, mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to Siloam and wash. Then in verse 15, he makes it clear again. So the Pharisees again asked him how he had received their sight. And he said to them, he put mud on my eyes and I washed and I see. Needless, needless to say, this blind man had faith before he could see. This is a repeat from last week's sermon a bit. The faith of God works on and in him before it all works out for him. The Bible says that Jesus put mud in his eyes and then sent him to wash his eyes off in the pool of Siloam. The word Siloam means sent, and the Greek word for sent means ordered. It means freed. Because of Jesus' faithful work to him and in him, first he was freed to wash new sight and get a new life. Jesus gave him the authority, the right, the will, the desire, the faith to wash his eyes as one sent and freed by God to do so. We only walk in new life because the works of God through Jesus has rubbed faith into our blind hearts. What's funny about this story, it almost reads like some kind of sophisticated comedy show where the blind man can see and no one is really happy that he sees. Hey guys, I can see again. I've been blind all my life. Really? Well, who healed you? Tell us now. Who did it? Where is he? Let's get him, right? And he's asked over and over about who did this, like his eyes were gouged out instead of opened. But something incredible happens in the wrong kind of celebrity treatment this man is receiving as they challenge him about his healing and who did it. As they dig into him and dig in against what Jesus did, God's work of faith plants deeper and begins to come out stronger. Do you see it? The first time he is asked about Jesus, in verse 11, Jesus is just a man. And then in verse 17, Jesus is a prophet. And then in verse 33, he is a teacher from God. And then finally, in verse 35 and through 38, Jesus shows up for the man to see, and he declares him the son of man. It is the work of God that people would grow to have faith and grow in faith in the belief that they are sinners and Jesus is the Savior of sinners like them. This is what it means to have a blind faith. Faith that Jesus has put in action in your life that you and others may be blind to. 
The Bible book of Ephesians says this about those who come to faith in Jesus Christ. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. That faith is a gift of God, not a result of work so that no one may boast. For you, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that they should walk in them. You and I can be confident of this, which we may not see. That God is steadily and faithfully working faith in some of you who have yet to believe and will in all of those who have believed and need to believe more. Some of you have experienced an initial desire to know, even for some, some hard reasons. Some have been traumatized in life and are, and are just looking to be made whole. Some of you want to be forgiven and cleansed and a better person. Some of you just want to be more spiritual right now. And you are searching, and it seems that every turn in your search, your curiosity is being challenged and accosted and questioned by you and others, you may not even have a clear answer. Faith is, at, is the work of God and may be at work in you. Keep walking toward Jesus as you are free to do so. Some of you are believers. You know and you have openly confessed who Jesus is. But when trials and tribulations and heartache and challenges to your faith come, it is easy to get afraid and want to hide and give up on the Jesus things. There are times when your theology gets shaky and it's hard to call on him and believe in him as Lord and Savior. In those challenging times to your faith, he is faithfully your God, your Lord, and your Savior. You are his workmanship. And God does not get lazy or tire or sleep or take a break on you. He is able and will do it in you and grow you and me through it. In our song, Great is Thy Faithfulness slash He's Able, it has this line. Don't give up on God because he won't give up on you. Let me say this. Even in your, even if you give out in exhaustion or ignorance, things are just dark. God has not and will not give up on you if you are his. I mean, look at where this whole thing ends up. It looks like Jesus has abandoned this man in his new life of sight by faith. Abandoned him at a time when his faith is very shaky and things are really going crazy. And it is only after he is cast out, the Bible says. But in this case, cast out is a good thing because he is cast out of darkness from these religious folks, but faithless people into the light. He is cast out of a bunch of know-it-alls who actually know nothing. When Jesus comes into your life, the life you used to live in darkness will no longer value you. And over time, like this man, you will grow to no longer value it. You may have heard me teach this before, but the word worship means worth-ship. That you give worth to the one deserving worth but also you give worth to the one who truly values you. Look with me again at verse 35. Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And having found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, 
And who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, you have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. This man is cast out of his former life in darkness, losing friends, and and appears possibly his own family who's afraid to stand up for him. He is found by the one who deserves all glory, honor, and praise. He is found by the Lord. You know my favorite no-brain shows by far are shows like Storage Wars, Pawn Stars, make sure I say that right, an antique roadshow. Some of y'all like that stuff too. Because people have stuff that they have no idea the value, right? They either overvalue it, like this came, guy came with a Rolex, uh, uh, to the pawn star guy, yeah, I have this Rolex here. Well, how much you want to get for it? Why do they always ask him that question? They know they're not going to agree with it. How much you want to get for this? The guy's like, I want $100,000 cash. <laughs> you know Rick on that show. That ain't going to happen. Why? Because if you look very closely, you know, and, you know, they either overvalue it or undervalue it because they don't have the eyes for it. They can't see and know and evaluate it properly. Sometimes it's a counterfeit or, or a remake fake, or, and sometimes it's a shockingly real thing. This man had no idea what was and should be valuable in his life. No idea what and who made life worth living. He did not know what and in this case who to worship. He could only feel his way in ignorance and and arrogance and darkness until Jesus gave him sight, giving him eyes to see him as Lord. And when he did, the works of God hit hit a landmark when this man worshiped the Lord Jesus. Understand, when he called him the son of man, he confirmed that this is the one who out of all and everything in life should get praise and glory and honor. This is the one who came to save us. This is the one who came to make me whole. This is the one whom will heal my whole body one day and will make and call me to a place of eternity where I will never be sick. This is the one who makes sure that sinners like me that believe in him, though cast out by and in this world, will no longer, regardless of whether me or or my parents sin, no longer live and consider themselves cast out or shamed in the presence of God. This is the one who is the light of the world and makes seeing worth seeing because he is what our sight was intended for, to behold the wonders and glories of God in the light of his son, Jesus Christ. And this evaluation was the work of God. He could not have seen the value and glory of Christ unless Jesus opened his eyes. And I ask you today, yes, even in this worship service and how you respond to Christ, what is valuable to you? How have your eyes been opened? To the wonder and glory of one who calls himself the son of God. And this evaluation was the work of God because his value was preceded by Jesus' valuing of him. The Bible says Jesus found him. 
hearing that he was cast out. You know what that means? God values the cast out. God values his children. God in Christ has eyes and a vision for people like you and me. And our hope and our faith and our joy rest on this, that we know because of Jesus that God is not blind to us or our hurts or our pains or in our need for salvation, our need for Savior and friend and one who is a light and outcast darkness. And that is why we worship him. That we see him as valuable. That we love him because he first saw, valued, and loved us enough to give us sight. Hear and see the good news. God sees you. God has eyes for the blind and confused. He gives light to those ruined and cast out and mistreated and made afraid in the darkness and uncertainty. Christ comes to give us the grace of blind faith. Amen.